0: your Bibles then to Ephesians chapter 5, chapter 5. Have we ever been in chapter 5 yet? Have we made it to chapter 5 yet? Are we in chapter 5? Okay, how many of you guys were, uh, let's put it this way, uh, here last week? No, let's embarrass people. How many of you were not here last week? Where do you go when you're not here? How does this work? Here's the deal, though. I wasn't here either. I was totally gone. And for you who did show up, you saw a video sermon. Didn't the guy in the video do great? Man, we just clapped. I'm just kidding. It was me. That's just ridiculous. And uh, I filmed that sermon on Wednesday morning. Came in here with Esai Taylor and Rory Van Wyke and just the two of them there in the back and no one else here but me and the Holy Spirit. And it was super fun just to preach and to share. That was Wednesday morning. We recorded that. Then I went and sat down at one of the tables that were in here from the women's night and I put together the sermon for that Wednesday night there at Hope in the Park. How many of you guys were at Hope in the Park this Wednesday? Okay. Did did that guy do good? Was it Eddie Townsend? Let's all clap for Eddie Townsend. Wait a minute. How many of you were not at Hope in the Park this Wednesday? Where are you? What do you do on Wednesdays? Is there like, is the Wheel of Fortune on? I mean, <laughs> let me talk about Hope in the Park. Listen, there's only three more Wednesdays, counting this one this week, this, this year, and we're done. And I really need, if you're not giving blood or working hard or saving somebody, be there. That This Wednesday night at 6 p.m., come support what we're doing here in Newport. And I'm going to be preaching this Wednesday night. And so we're going to be having dogs and burgers. Bring a blanket and a chair and maybe an igloo just in case the wind picks up. And it's going to be happening for the next three weeks, so uh, please be there for that. I do want to thank you guys for being so uh, compliant, uh, letting my wife and I go to Alaska. We went to a cruise on Alaska. It was totally amazing for our family just to recoup and to enjoy. My parents were there, and uh, my mom, on the very final day, celebrated her birthday and their anniversary, which I don't know how you can celebrate 38 years of marriage and only be 25 years old. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's just amazing, so it was just an awesome time, and I appreciate you guys watching the video, and I hope you got something out of it. Um, I'll tell you what, we're in what I would consider some life change context, and some life change content, as Paul now leads us into what the Christian life looks like. Now that we know we are Christians, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done, now that we know we're saved by grace, not of works, it's a gift, now that we have all this wealth and resources in Christ, he says, here's how you ought to spend it. Did you know that each and every one of us are given a certain amount of dollars and days in our lives and that's it? Just a certain amount and we're done. And we are to be stewards over those dollars and those days in our lives. And you could spend it on stupid stuff. You ever done that? Anybody join me? Bunch of liars here today, that's Okay. <laughs> And uh, we've we've all done dumb things. And God says, I'm going to give you just a little bit. Life is very short. And I'm going to make sure that you have everything you need in order to hit a strike after a strike after a strike. It's like bumper bowling. When you become a Christian, it's like bumper bowling. The Lord's like, I got you covered. I'm going to get you out of the gutter. Now just go ahead and live for me. And so I hope you got something out of Ephesians 4. If you didn't um, watch it or you forgot it, it's online. You can go stream that again, and we're going to get into some really practical matters today in Ephesians 5. Uh, Just a few more announcements before we get in there. Uh, The Mega Sports Camp is being offered by the Newport Nazarene Church this week at the middle school. I believe it's Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and there's a flyer on our Facebook page. And it's from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., totally free, lunch included. Ages 2nd grade going into and ages 6th grade going into, in between those, male and female. So uh, be sure and sign your kids up for that free event. I'll be coaching soccer on Thursday when that happens. And also, we're anticipating the September 10th car show that's happening right here in the Rogue Brewery parking lot. We're hoping to raise money and awareness for the ICO ministry and for the building project here at South Beach Church. So I'll be talking to the leadership here about that if you have questions that being said, welcome to church. My name's Luke Frechette. How many of you guys are visiting today? You have no clue what's going on. You wish you weren't here. Your hands are going, you know, you know. A, a couple, my dad raised his hand, you know. <laughs> he has no idea. Anyways, that's, I love you, dad. And uh, so, welcome to church. We're going to study the book of Ephesians today, chapter five. I'm going to read 21 verses, which is a whole lot of verses. And we're really going to just kind of look at the overview of verses one through twenty-one. Have you ever seen a postcard of like a a city, you know, a postcard just kind of, you're looking at, whoa, there's the whole city, you know, you're just looking at it, and then you're like, okay, let's look at the postcard today, the aerial, and then next Sunday, we're going to go ahead and get in a horse-drawn buggy, and we're going to go ahead and tour the town together. So today, I want you to kind of understand, whoa... And just kind of get the synopsis, and then next week we're going to get into the nitty-gritty details of the city. Would you join me in verse 1 of chapter 5? Therefore, and we're going to go ahead and look at what the therefore is. Therefore, that's how you study the Bible. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma, but now he gets into what I'm going to call the do-nots, okay? we're gonna. There's more than six listed. Today, we're going to go over six do-nots, and we're going to go over six to-dos, things that we now do. Now, therefore, now that you're children of God, now that you're in like Flynn, now that you're bowling with bumpers. Now that everything's been taken care of, here's the do not list, and then there's the to-do list. Here's where he starts in verse three. But fornication, and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, that is sin and immorality and rebellion. Because of these things, the wrath of God or the cleansing nature of God, the discipline of God, really the love of God, it comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, another therefore, do not be partakers with them. Don't, don't be there for that judgment day. Get that stuff dealt with prior, maybe even today. Verse 8, he goes on. For you were once darkness... "'But now you're the light in the Lord. "'Walk as children of the light, "'for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, "'righteousness, and truth, "'finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, "'and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, "'but rather expose them or reprove them. "'For it is shameful.'" Verse 12, even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly and not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. They were evil then. Are they evil now too? Have they, have they ever not been evil? You know what I'm saying? Like, always God has allowed light to dwell within the darkness in order to combat it, in order to be here on purpose. Your life is on purpose. If you are bowling with bumpers, that is, you are saved by grace. You are a Christian. Your life is not, I'm going to say it as gentle as I can, your life's not about you anymore. Okay, You're here to redeem the time, to, to reprove the darkness, to let your light shine. He says, verse 15 again, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. This is where Christianity gets exciting. I won't even be able to teach on this verse today. It's not going to happen until we get in the horse-drawn buggy tour of Ephesians 5. But to redeem the time literally means to just be you, work your job, love your spouse, raise your kids, attend your hobbies, do what you do, redeeming all of it for the glory of God, bringing God into the central thought process of everything that happens around you. Just being you, the unique you that you are, St. Francis of Assisi put it this way, love God and do whatever you want, okay? If you don't love God and do whatever you want, you'll go to jail, you know what I'm saying? But if you love God, if you truly do, and only he knows, that is you are appreciative of him, obedient to him, submissive for him, then your doing will be delight to him love god and do whatever you want and he says it's redeemed the time because the days are evil verse 17 therefore do not be unwise but understand the what the will of the lord is verse 18 huh. and do not be drunk with wine what about tequila no. and do you're, you're right it doesn't say that that's an interesting point interesting point in, in which is dissipation he doesn't even talk about that even much more. Just one little kind of splash statement. Don't be drunk. But but, but be filled with the Spirit. Such a radical thought. So many people are, are tempted by and drawn to things outside of God to fulfill their whole in their soul. And I stand with you as a student in that. I know the temptation of all kinds of things just like you do. And he says, oh, don't do that. That's crazy. But... Because you could imagine him saying, don't do that. Go sit in the corner and just wait for the Lord to return. There's a pile of dirt over there. Just eat that. He says, no, no, don't do that, the lesser thing. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. He says, do the greater thing. There's no high like the most high. D- don't settle for the things of the world. And he says, be filled with the Spirit. And I won't even be able to teach exhaustively on that until next week as well. But verse 19, he goes on to say what we are to do, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Which, which by the way, singing and making melody in your heart is often what happens after you've had too much to drink, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? And he, It's this juxtaposition, this comparison. Don't do that to sing be fi- karaoke you know don't do that to sing be filled with the holy spirit and you'll find yourself actually in a sober mindset singing making melody to the lord more more joy than you could ever fabricate on any other substance verse 20 giving thanks always for all things to god and the father in the name of our lord jesus christ submitting to one another in the fear of god And I fear that we won't be able to get to verses 1 through 21 for actually a couple of weeks, but we're going to do our best to today. Look at the postcard of this portion. Let's pray and ask God to open up our hearts to do just that. Father, we are uh, so thankful for your word and so thankful for your patience with us as sheep that you have seen us as sheep without a shepherd, and so you became our shepherd. Uh, You have seen us as sheep who have gone our own way, and so you have become our savior. And Lord, you are, have seen us as sheep who cannot take care of ourselves, and so you have become our provider. And so, Lord, there is no other rightful uh, response for us this morning than to look to your word again and say, okay, what's next? How, how do we grow in you, and what would you have for us? And Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now that you bless this time as we study this so important portion of scripture, and I pray that you would make our hearts now soft uh, to What you have done first, before you lay any of this on us, how you have proven yourself to be um, so full of love. And I just ask for your help, too. Lord, I'm a little tired, and um, you know where I am at right now, and I ask for your help. In Jesus' name, for your glory. Amen. 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 I'll tell you what, next week, again, we're going to study this out a little uh, deeper, but right now, we're kind of just jumping in and wanting to get the the, uh, summarization of what's happening in chapters four, five, and six. You ever been in line for a ride at a, at a carnival or something like that or at an amusement park? I went to the Six Flags deal with a bunch of middle schoolers and high schoolers years ago. And I remember we were in these snake lines back and forth and back and forth. And every time you would cross somebody, you would see the same person that you would talk to. And everyone's excited about it. And everyone's like, Woo! You know, you finally get buckled in and make all these noises and you look at the person working. You want to make sure that they have a high school diploma, you know, and, am, I, am I buckled? You know, it feels loose, you know, and you're excited. And then all of a sudden that anticipation of the ride to come. Now you're, you know what I'm saying? Anybody hate those rides? A bunch of thrill seekers here. Yeah, And chapters four, five, and six is kind of like, we're going to go into this now. We've been snaking through the line, and just there, we're going on this ride. We're in Christ. We're seated with him. In chapters 1, 2, and 3, he has gone to great lengths to underscore and to highlight and to illustrate and to illuminate everything that God has done for us so we could sit in him before he dares ever ask us to walk for him, to get on the ride and get crazy. Until you know that you are sitting in Christ... You will not walk for him well. You'll either do it in your own strength, succeed, and be full of pride, or you'll do it in your own strength, fail, and be full of regret. Until you realize you are sitting. Now, when you're sitting in Christ, you're not working out in Christ, you're not running in place in Christ. You're actually sitting. You are fully absorbed into him. And when you get that, when you trust him to be your father and your savior and your provider, And your guide, only then does he ask us to walk for him. Because you're not going to walk well for the Lord until you totally trust him. I got three kids, and they pretty much trust me. You know what I'm saying? Like, they pretty much trust me. But they, 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 they wonder. They look at the world, and I'll tell them to do something. And occasionally, they'll knit their brow and say, why? Yeah, have your kids ever asked... Why? You know what I'm saying? Well, it's the first word they learned. Why? You know what I'm saying? Put this diaper on. Why? You're like, trust me. Trust me. Yeah, we all want that. And listen, until you trust the Lord, until you're resting in him, totally broken from yourself, totally over your own vain attempts, maybe like a sheep that has wandered away, bleh, <laughs> and gone and done its own thing. And the shepherd's like, really? And the sheep goes away, and a wolf takes a nibble on it. Or maybe it finds itself in a ditch upside down. You ever seen a sheep upside down? They're upside down. They do, yeah, yeah. Or a sheep breaks, uh, whatever. And then the shepherd comes and grabs the sheep and cleans it and fixes it and heals it. And the sheep's like, wow, I kind of like it with you. You're kind of legit. I kind of dig this whole shepherd-sheep thing. And you realize, I can trust him. I should have trusted him the first time. You don't even need to raise your hand. But how many times have you tried... Uh, to call the Lord's bluff when he says to do something or hey this is the right way and this is your way which way are you going to choose like, I'm going to try my way I'm pretty good at this thing I'm pretty good at this thing I like, I like guessing games you, know? and you, you go your way in the, in the Lord it's I, so different me and my kids I look at them with all this wisdom and knowledge I have and I say why would you challenge me I am three times your size I could eat you, you know, and we look at God though who far surpasses me as a father, and we challenge him. But some of you, though, here don't challenge him anymore. That's where I wanted to get us today, where you say, if the Lord says it, I believe it, and that settles it. And when the Lord says something, you in your rebellious, stiff-necked, hard-hearted, natural state will say... I was going to make another sheep sound, but I stopped. (laughs) We'll, We'll say... I don't, know how, I don't know how a sheep complies, you know? <laughs> you know. We'll look to the Lord and say, all right, all right, your way's the right way. And, and as you grow and make those decisions, and I tell you what my kids, I tell them all the time, when you just go with what the flow is and receive what's given to you, I said, I promise you, I will secretly and openly reward you. I will just dump blessings on you as your dad. I just guarantee you, I, will, I, will, I know where your sweet spot is as kids. I know what they like to do, and I just, I'll just give you stuff. Test me. Test. And that's what the Lord says to you. So my question to begin this sermon then would be, how is your rest in the Lord? Are you resting in him? Do you truly trust him? Is he your savior? Has he healed you and forgiven you? Has he fixed you and and made you right again? Has he loved you and given you hope in your heart? And If that's the case, then you have no other rightful response than today to say, I'm going to do whatever he says. I'm going to knock it off. I'm going to stop doing what he says to stop doing, and I'm going to start doing what he says to start doing, and I'm going to do it today, and I'm going to do it tomorrow. Bleh. And when I do that, I'm going to go back and do it again, and I'm going, to, I'm going to do this. This is my call in life, to follow the Lord and do exactly what he says, because that's when you can look to the directions for moving forward, and anyone who looks to the directions will find that God wants us to move forward. Now, here's just a simple question. You're here on the 9 a.m. service in the middle of summertime, good job. How many of you, do, of you guys though right now, just at least in your knower, you want to move forward in life? I just want to be a better steward of my days, a better steward of my dollars, a better steward of my... I, just want, I do want to do better. I would say most people want to do better, just innately. I wish I could do better. I wish I could do better. And the Lord says, oh, well, well, well interesting. I've got some things for you that will make you better. Now that you're sat in heaven. You're good. You cannot even not be sat once you sat in him because it was him who made you sit in him. And so now that you are sitting, resting comfortably in him, because of him, not you, if that's your story. It's not everyone's story here, but it might be your story. If you are, then he wants you to now walk with him. And I'll tell you what, this is where it gets real clear. I have been reading this portion now on a, on a cruise. Yes. It's okay. And I've been studying, going, wow, this is intense. This is, this is deep. And, I have, and the Lord's been speaking to my heart about you and, and about me in this church, about the next three services that happen here all day, about this week, and about our culture in Newport. And I really believe this is a very important message for all of us, that we'd be ready to receive what the Lord has done for us in these following verses. And we'd apply them to our lives and find great benefit and fruitfulness Here's the deal. I've heard it said before and so of you that where you are in the word is where you are. So here we are in Ephesians 5. This is just right where we're at. And as a pastor, I would never, I would never, I would never pick chapter 5 to just guest speak at a church. Hey, everyone, let's talk about fornication. (laughs) I wouldn't pick that. I want to be invited back. God picked this for right now, for you, for me, for 2016, for the upcoming events in our culture, in our country. As we continue to kind of spiral, things are getting weird. God wants you to have your marching orders. You're sitting, cool, great, good, awesome. Now you need to be walking. Do these things. So be praying for yourself. Be praying for the leadership here. Pray for the 9 a.m. service, the 11 and the 6. I really believe that God is going to give us some transitional pivot plexes, even today. Some, Some changes are gonna be made today. Somebody's going to set something down and say no more today. And someone's going to pick something up and say yeah. And I'm going to walk and it's going to be the the shepherd knows you and he loves you <sighs> and he wants you to be full. And I'll tell you what God is so patient with us as we transition have you noticed that as soon as you figure a few things out about your bumper bowling with christ and you get a few things figured out he gives you some other tricks and tips if you would or insight you figure something out in the lord he's like cool that was awesome let's figure something else out now and he just moves you deeper and deeper and so for some of you today this is going to be what he would consider deeper now this is more knowledge i remember i did this run many many years ago called the sob siski outback what were you thinking We'll talk about that. Siskiyou Outback, and it started at a mile high elevation, 18 miles one way, 18 miles back another way. It's just ridiculous. And I didn't know much about running. As a matter of fact, Eddie Townsend and I signed up to do that race to train for a marathon in October. We're like, this is a perfect way to train, you know, <laughs> run 32 miles and, you know, was easy. And anyways, I, I didn't know there was special shoes that you could buy if you knew. I didn't know there were special socks for runners. I didn't know there was special equipment that you could bring with you on long runs. I never heard about goo packs or gel packs or all this stuff. Never heard about any of that. Went and did the race, almost died finished, okay. And when I was done with the race, it was real funny. I'm sitting at the finisher's uh, tent and these medics kind of just identified that I was in bad shape. So I don't know how and they came over to me. And they said, you all right, sir? I was like, <coughs> what? You know, <laughs> like you need to go home. You have altitude poisoning. You, you just get out of here, go down them. Anyways, the next year, I just kept running that whole year. I I did that, didn't die, kept running, kept getting better, kept learning, kept understanding the sport of running, did a couple marathons in between, came back and shaved, not only an hour and a half off of my time the next year, but actually was able to walk away from the race, and I didn't feel like I was going to die. Silly illustration, but some of you are here today, and you've got a few things figured out. You know where the Savior's at, you hear his voice, you know what's going on, but he said, hey, let's go deeper, let's do this better. Let's just do it better. you got another race coming up. You want to do this better? And I I, I love getting better at things. I love increasing my knowledge and my ability in all things. So do you. You want to move forward. And so I'm praying for us. I prayed for us fervently all week, all night, all morning, uh, that we as believers, that we uh, were going to get better. We're going to be ready to grow in some areas and to grow up, to knock some stuff off and to just stop it and to start some stuff and Pick some stuff up. And man, I'll tell you what, this whole battle, it's just constant. Until you get to heaven, it's constant. And how many of you guys since giving your life to Jesus have had to struggle from time to time with the flesh? Like you're a Christian, you're sitting with him, but occasionally your flesh shows up like, oh, what was that? <laughs> I didn't know that was there. And your spouse is like, I knew it was there. You know, but you're surprised. Like, oh man, I just can't believe I did that. And everyone else is like, I can believe it. And it's just, I'll tell you what, the sinful actions of our flesh, they can creep up without notice. And you can, oh, I just hate the devil so much. He's always tempting and tricking and trapping people. And then that combines with my flesh, and he catches me at a moment of weakness with a moment of temptation and all of the rest and all of the perfect and imperfect situations. And you find yourself overreacting or yelling or lusting. Or getting drunk or getting high As a matter of fact, just this week alone Coming back from vacation My inbox on Facebook and my text messages And my voicemails Train wreck after train It was really amazing And it's what I, I, I get to be a part of in people's lives It's not just the train wrecks But the beautiful things But there was at least a half a dozen train wrecks Going on All I was like, this is amazing the spiritual climate right now, the, the hotness of Satan in people's lives trying to take you down and take you off, and I'll, I'm right there with you in that battle. And So if you're a Christian, ah, you're good, okay? You're sitting with him. And though Satan may try and take you down or wear you out or lead you astray, God loves you too much to let it happen. I'm so, I'm so praise the Lord. Amen. It won't, If you're a Christian, the Bible says it this way, oh, you're a Christian? Okay, guess what? God loves you too much to let you get away with your stuff. He'll actually discipline and allow stuff to come to the surface in your imperfection stuff will bubble up. What's this doing here? And God says, I'm disciplining you. This is coming out. That was deep within you. It's not new. It was in there the whole time. And now that it's surfacing, hang on tight. You're on the roller coaster. We got this. This will be purged out of you. God loves you and brings this stuff. This happened to me just two days ago. I came uh, down the stairs, or should I say home yesterday, from an event in Nemo, my six-year-old, he's now seven, actually, uh, met me in the garage with tears in his eyes. He said, Dad, Noah tried to steal $5 from me today. I said, "I said, how do you know? I said, because I walked into my room, and he had my $5 in his hand. <laughs> I said, what did you do? You know, I got the whole details. You know, What did you do? And I talked it out, and I got the money back, and he didn't take it from me. I said, did you tell your mom? He said, no, I didn't tell mom yet. So I knew how to handle it. So I went in, I said, Noah, come here. Noah, and, and Noah's good at... Uh, changing the truth <laughs> and so i asked him in a real compliant way i said, no did, did this happen is this did this happen he said yeah it happened and I, I said okay well you know were you tempted you saw the money you're tempted i said how much money do you have and he's got you know he's been saving he's got 60 70 80 dollars you know he's got plenty of money for a eight-year-old i said you, you don't even need money do you like you, you you got you're not even saving for anything you just you got tempted and you did the wrong thing. I said, guess what? It happens. I'm, I'm discipling him. Nemo's there. Acacia's there. And I said, this happens. And you're not alone. And I said, here's the cool thing. I said, you're a Christian. You're a Christian. So God wouldn't let you get away with it. Because had you gotten away with it, you would have that $5. And you would be knowing of the imperfection that you'd committed to get it. And it wouldn't be clean money. It'd be dirty money. And it's dirty money anyways. And, you would, and I, said, I said, God loves you. I said, for the rest of your life, you like me. Will not be allowed to get away with your stuff God loves you too much he'll, he'll let it come to the surface As embarrassing as it is And as painful as it is ah, When your stuff comes When you're trying to hide that And erase this And change that And God says I love you That's a snake bite That's a wound on you That's going to just take you where you don't want to go Let me cleanse it And God says you're sitting with me No one's kicking you out Your seat is secure Let me now help you and that flesh, this, this battle we have, man, I'll tell you what. And God looks at your life, and he looks at my life, and he truly wants you and me to not get swindled by the devil, to not get tricked into compromise and into lack of faith. He, lo- he doesn't want that to happen because he sees in your life good, glory, and purpose. He looks at you and says, this one, my son Noah, my son Nemo, my daughter Acacia, this church, he looks at you and says, oh, this could be good. If you would just trust me and rest in me and then obey me, you know what I'm going to do? <sighs> you can't even imagine what I'm going to do. You can't even imagine it. And he looks at your life right now and says, don't mess. Don't mess with that compromise. Satan is so sneaky and so tricky just to get you to sell out for a, a quick hit or a quick fix or a quick whatever the case is when God says, oh. Don't do that and when you do do that some of you here right now are starting to sweat. It's okay (laughs) God says it grace is right there forgiveness and repentance Is right there it is today today the the bible says that the lord's mercies are new every morning And last time I checked on our circular earth. It's morning somewhere 24 hours a day. Okay, it's Always, it's always a day of celebration. The Lord says, come back to me, you sinner. Don't harden your heart in this way. And so if that's you today, God's calling you back through this portion of scripture right here again. Why? Because the Lord wants to use you for great things. One of my favorite stories, it's in Second Chronicles. You can write it down read it later if you're bored this afternoon. Right around chapter 14, 15, and 16. It's the story of Asa. He's a young boy, takes over a corrupt kingdom, does things right, leads legit, does some things that are amazing, finds himself challenged by this great army of millions coming against him, doesn't know what to do. In his, latter, in his early days, looks to the Lord and says, we're outgunned, we're outnumbered, looks to the Lord, the Lord says, thanks for looking to me, I appreciate that. You're sitting with me, you're resting, you cannot beat this army and so because he looked to God, God says, I'll be the army for you. And God brought him this great victory, and he continues his life, and the legacy is in there. And then a few years later, when he's older, raise your hand if you're sitting next to somebody older. <laughs> and when he's older, a lesser enemy comes at him, a smaller one, one that he he's seen the Lord do something. And so what he does at that time is he gets political, and he contracts with the neighboring pagan godless enemies. He says, would you guys come? I'll give you some money. Be my alliances, and we'll do this, and we will get this smaller enemy to flee. And he does just that. It works perfectly. Isn't it scary when your scheme works perfectly? It's not good. And he does this scheme, and he gets his way, and he wins the battle, and then a prophet comes to him and says, that was crazy. You almost got taken out, but you took care of yourself. And God looks at that as compromise. Actually, 2 Chronicles 16, 9a. Let's see if we can see it up here, maybe. It might, it might pop up. This is the rebuke that came to Asa. It says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts is loyal to him. You ever heard that verse before? I just read it to you. (laughs) You should memorize it. This verse will inspire you to bowl for Jesus, to to walk with him, to show up, to man up, to stop it, to pick it up. Yes, yes. I this verse. The eyes of the Lord. He's looking for people to show himself strong on their behalf. What do you need? A loyal heart. You just got to trust him. You got to be super strong and smart. That's not what it says. got to have all kinds of resources and abilities. That's not what it says. It says your heart has to be his. Now, this prophet is telling Asa this story. This is the Lord's heart, Asa. It's beautiful, isn't it? Notice in 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 the reference there, it said 16a. The verse isn't done. He continues. It's 16.9a. Oh, here's the rest. In this, you've done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Whoa. This juxtaposition, this comparison. Oh, the eyes of the Lord. He just only ever always wants to be your shepherd and bless you and let your light shine and let your purpose be right. (sighs) But you've done foolishly. You've chosen your way. And because of that, your lifestyle and your Legacy will be one of wars and calamity. This is the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, the next verse, verse we don't have it, we're not gonna put it up there, but the next verse says Asa, King Asa hardened his heart and began to then oppress the people. Wow, this gentle rebuke. Oh, you shouldn't have done it that way. And today there's things in your life you shouldn't be doing that way. And today you can either harden your heart and then you'll find yourself oppressing the people around you, guaranteed. Or you can soften your heart. Say, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. <laughs> Grace, forgiveness, mercy, and newness. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. And I'll tell you what, the Lord is looking for people who will love him and then obey him. When you love him, it's not hard to obey him. If you think that, well, let me just say it this way. First 1 John 5, 3, uh, maybe it'll come up on the screen here. It says that uh, the, to love God, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. The love of God is to obey him. The love of God is to keep his commandments. The love of God is to keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. I just need you to get this in your heart right now before we even move on. By the way, this is the postcard of what he told us to do in Ephesians 5. The love of God is to obey him and to obey him is not burdensome. In other words, when God says to do or not to do, it's not a burden, okay. Now, when I tell my kids what to do and what not to do, oh man, it is a burden beyond bearing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, Dad. You know, and, and we react sometimes. We look at this list of things in Ephesians five, we're like what, what, what's it say in the Greek, bro? You know, we wanna, we wanna like argue. Is it really uh? And we, the God's commandments, the do's and don'ts, are not a burden. Okay? Know that about your God. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro to to bless you. He is only ever trying to release you from burdens, release you from weight, release you from pressure, release you from pain. You know what a burden is. You know what's burdensome? Sin. I promise. Sin, carnality, rebellion, and impurity. Every you you know, you've been there. You've 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 charged. The purchases you've received the bill. As a matter of fact, the wage of sin is death. Romans six twenty three. It says, "For the wages of sin is death." That is, when we sin, we get paid. Everyone like wages at your work. Like you get you, anybody work for free? <laughs> we want to get wages, man. Give me something. And when you sin, God says, "Oh, you're gonna you're getting paid. you're gonna get an automatic deposit into your account." it's gonna just be right in there. And you can say, oh, I don't want that. No, you check your account later after sinning and it has already been equated to your balance and your days and your dollars and your stewardship are impacted. The wage, you can't, how many ever sin, and the Bible calls it sowing seeds of the flesh. How many of you have ever sinned, sown seeds of the flesh and then pray for a crop failure? You know? I'm just going to do all this sin and just hope that it doesn't end up growing you know and you walk over here and you turn around and pfft, ah, you know hey god's not mocked you're going to reap what you sow every single time every single time that's why he warns us he says oh careful careful obey me that's not a burden disobey me that's actually gonna really come back to bite you and i don't want you to get bit i died for your bites i will deliver you from your bites today my grace is, is new I love you. I love you. I love you. And he woos us and compels us. And you know, what's burdensome is doing dumb stuff. That's what takes us down. Now, I'm going to teach you something. You need to get this principle and teach it to others, okay? And I'm going to teach you something before I teach you something. Because what I'm teaching you is going to be all wrapped up in this one little saying, okay? And it's going to carry us through the whole rest of chapter 5. You guys ready? It's pretty easy. Sin... Isn't bad because it's forbidden. Can I say it again? Sin isn't bad because it's forbidden. It's forbidden because it's bad. Sin isn't bad because God said, "Don't do that." Now it's bad. He said, "That's bad. Don't do that." Sin isn't forbidden. Or sin isn't what? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Sin, I want to make sure you're paying attention, isn't bad. Let's all say it together. Sin isn't bad because it's forbidden. It's forbidden because it's bad. God looks at us, and he looks at the earth, and he looks at Satan. And Satan says, here's what I'm going to do to your kids. Here's how I'm going to have my way with your people, whether it's the children of Israel, of the scriptures, whether it's the Jewish nation in, in our centuries, whether it's Christendom today, here's how I'm going to attack your body. I'm going to destroy them through sin, one way or another. And God would say to you, okay, guys, guys, listen, listen, don't do these sinful things because they are bad. That is my heart for you. I, I, only want, I don't want you to be poisoned or, or trapped or tricked. I love you too much. I love you so much, I'm going to die for you. But now in your walking for me, I need you to avoid these certain things, for they will indeed give you death. The wages of death. No one goes to Georgie's after this meal and says, I'll take a Reuben and with fries and maybe some ranch, and can you bring a side of death, you know, maybe like halfway through? Just a little bit of death. It's not on the menu. And the Bible says that when you sin, death is yours. Nobody in their right mind would sign up for that. And God wants us to understand that sin isn't bad because it's forbidden. It's forbidden because it's bad. And sin in the Bible isn't warned against because God's keeping us from having the time of our lives, right? But sin is addressed in the Bible because God wants us to have a great time with our lives. You know the difference? How many people, maybe you're here today and you're already kind of mad. That's okay. And, And you're thinking to yourself, well, God just doesn't understand me. And God just wants me to not have a fun life. Listen, God's not trying to keep you from all the fun things. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, don't do that. That's super fun. (laughs) You think that, though. You're like, well, this is super fun. He's like, no, it's not. Trust me. The end. You guys know the verse in the Old Testament that says sin is pleasurable for a season. Okay? God's not going to lie to you, nor should you lie to your kids. You should tell them sin is very attractive. It's very fun. It's very pleasing. It's very alluring, very tempting. It's very enticing. It is very powerful. It is crazy. It's actually all that it's cracked up to be and more. (laughs) Because if you don't tell them that, they'll figure it out on their own and they'll be confused. But you gotta tell them the rest of the story. Sin is all of those things, but the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end, it yields death. (sighs) And as you know this, as a Christian, walking with him, you say, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to listen. I'm not perfect. I'm not asking you to be perfect. But I'm asking you to look at what he says in his word and to say, okay. He says it, I believe it. That settles it. I'm going to do my best and when I fail, I'm going to run to the cross. But I'm not going to compromise in what he has said or 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 should I say uh, manipulate the scriptures to say what I want it to say or to negotiate with him in any way. Sin isn't warned against because God's trying to keep us from having the time of our lives, but he wants us to have a great time with our lives. Satan, on the other hand, this juxtaposition. okay? Satan, on the other hand, he's the father of lies and only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You realize that, right? Like, There's no middle ground. You do Satan's work. You decide to do it your way. I'm just going to do a little compromise. Me and Satan, we got this little deal worked out. He's not going to hurt me that bad. <laughs> okay you didn't read the back of his business card okay he does not have your ER interest in mind at all the heart of the father though is to guide you and to warn me in order that we would have a legit life and a great time the heart of satan is to do you in and put you down jesus came to give life and to give it abundantly but satan comes to take life and to take it violently <sighs> jesus whole heart and mission is just like second chronicles sixteen nine. okay to set us free, lift us up, and make our lives count. I mean, isn't that exciting? I just need your minds right now. As a matter of fact, let's pray. Close your eyes. God, I pray, I do pray right now that you would open up our minds to just believe that whatever hard thing you're calling us to right now, that we would just believe you. We would believe you. It doesn't mean we're perfect or even know how to get out of the the stuff we've wandered into. That's not the point, but we believe you. And I pray, Lord, for those who are challenged by substances or those who are challenged by compromise right now, That in their heart of hearts they would be delivered from the lies that Satan has spoken over them. They would see the truth right now. They would believe you and expose the truth the lies. And they would say yes to the Lord and to his ways. And that Lord, you would show them, tell them right now that it's not going to be a lesser life or a worse way. It's actually going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And Lord, I pray that you would prove that to them. May you take the lives of this service, this church, this guy on stage. And may you do, Lord, in us what only you can do through lives that are yielded to you. So right now, Lord, let it happen in our mind. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, the the whole heart and mission of Jesus is to set us free. Now, why isn't purity so important? We've been talking about this. You know, the blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And Hebrews chapter 12, without... Holiness, people won't see God in you. And so it's for you to see God and others to see God uh, in you. Look at Ephesians 4.30. You guys got your Bibles open still? It might might even come up on the screen. Oh, there it is. Look at that. You can put your Bibles away. (laughs) Just just kidding. And it says, this is a couple verses prior to where we're at. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We talked about that, that when we sin, it grieves God, both because it's an offense to him, but also because as a father, he sees what it's going to cost us. And he says, oh, darn it. That grieves me that you're going to be pained because of your actions. I'm grieved, not because I'm disappointed with you. I'm sorry for you. That's, oh, that's going to be tough. And he's right there with you in the midst. But it says in that verse also, the Holy Spirit who sealed you for the day of redemption. Isn't that great that you've been sealed? You're sitting with God. You're sealed. And he says, don't break the seal. Don't mess with the seal. You ever go to the store and buy something and it says, if the seal's been tampered with, don't use it. You know, rarely is the seal tampered with. Usually it's all good, but when you open up that thing and there's no seal or it's tampered with, you're like, <gasps> ISIS, you know, somebody tampered with it. So, and you, you know, put it back. I'm not touching it, you know. I don't. Maybe you'd still use it. I don't use it. Take it back, you know. Listen, the Holy Spirit sealed you, and Satan desires to tamper with that seal to, in an attempt, make you unusable. Right there on the product label, don't use, don't use it. And there are so many, I, can't, I don't even know, I just speculate. so many men and women that have been tampered with by the devil and sin and carnality and rebellion that have been minimized up until this point, okay, today. Here's your turning point. Been minimized up until this point into what God wants to do in your life and how he wants to use you. He says, oh, I have so much in store you think you're just a measly little peon living in 2016. You have no purpose. you think that's, you've believed a lie. And because you're a measly little peon and you have failure after failure after failure in your life, you might as well just keep failing is what Satan tells you. You might as well just keep this seal tampered with and not press into the Lord and not set down that substance or put away that relationship or pick up that holiness. You might as well not do any of that because what's the purpose? The purpose is, is that God would use you for his glory. This world needs you. Why is purity so important? Why? Because God desires to find those whose hearts are loyal towards Him to flex upon. And when He flexes upon you, you don't know what He's going to do with you. I'm in this battle with all you guys. I love being used by God. I love what God's doing here. I, I want to be a part of it. I truly do. I want to be a part. And every once in a while, I'll feel Satan just whispering, saying, eh, might as well slow down a little. Might as well back off. What's the hurry? What's the point? What's the urgency? Might as well just slough off in this area and take part in that area. Might as well just, you know, do do you hear that voice ever? (sighs) David heard that voice, King David. The Bible says that at the time of year when kings go to battle, he stayed in Jerusalem. He'd been very victorious his whole life. And when it was time to go fight, he didn't. He backed off. And that was the very time he was tempted with that Bathsheba sin. And in that Bathsheba sin, you know it became really weird and sordid, kind of like a soap opera. He began to kill people and lie about it. And all kinds of extras were brought into the scene. It's in 2 Samuel. You can read it later. Might have been first Samuel 12. 14. And his buddy Nathan shows up and says, Dude, you're forgiven. Because of the way he handled it, you guys know the story, he actually handled it. Once he was confronted, he actually did confess and said, it's all me, it's all true, it's all, and he said, oh, good response, very good. It's a soft heart, you are forgiven, but there will be collateral damage, there will be consequences. Two, mainly, number one is baby died. The baby that Bathsheba was pregnant with did end up dying. Coincidentally, the next baby she had was Solomon, who ultimately would then have his lineage and have his lineage and his lineage, which Jesus Christ would come from you don't think God's grace is amazing. Bathsheba, Solomon, I mean, two consequences. One, his fruit of his sin was deathful, painful. And secondly, interesting. Nathan said, you know what else is wrong with this whole picture, David? Because you're David. You can't be doing this junk. This is crazy. He said, you've given great reason for the Gentiles to flick their nose at the Lord. They look at you now as this God-fearing king and a God-fearing nation. They see what you've done, and man, unfortunately, you've made God look real bad. You're totally forgiven. You're sitting with him. You're not getting kicked out. <laughs> but there is consequences. And so the warning stands today for you and I. As we find ourselves wanting to slough off and why are we sealed? Because God wants to use us. Why is purity so important? Because people will see the Lord through us or not. And also because we won't enjoy the Lord properly when we don't walk with him rightfully. Here's the deal. I'm just going to, I got to rip through this because I was going to give you the postcard version and I only have a few minutes to do this. You guys got your helmets on? Can we get the ushers to give helmets and face masks? Here it goes. Here it goes. By the way, when when David, I just need you to get this, because the the Gentile nations saw God wrongly because of David's stupidity. God forgave him. But did you know that in Psalm 51, and in Psalm 32, and in Psalm 38, David wrote about his whole excursion with Bathsheba? And in that, he talks about physical and emotional and spiritual pain. He says, I am so undone. Man, I I am just, and he was so, he he talks about his bones aching. You ever been in that sin, that compromise in your life where you just feel like you're puke and just, you're so sick from your actions, purity is so important because people won't see God rightly when you don't do it right, and you yourself will suffer. Man, that, that gut bomb, that anxiety from sin, compromise, God says, I don't like it when you have to go through that. I don't like you feeling that way. When my kids are ill and don't feel right, oh, as a dad, I just want to fix it. So too, the father says, oh, I'll fix it. I'll premeditatively fix it. How about don't ever do this dumb stuff and you won't ever have dumb stuff happen to you? (laughs) Sounds right, you know Ah, Well, that being said Ephesians 5, Paul gives us six things not to do We're going to study it in depth over weeks And six things to do Okay, number one, you guys ready? We're going to rip through this um, as they come up Number one, do not engage in sexual immorality or impurity Just right off the bat Okay, and let me just say it this way The only sexual union that is ever commanded by God in the Bible Commanded Is a monogamous relationship between a man and a woman in marriage It's the only sexual union taught and commanded. Everything else outside of a one man, one woman, monogamous marriage is unbiblical, illicit, and immoral. Any kind of sexual relationships at all outside of a one woman, one man, monogamous marriage, biblically, is not taught as right. Just so you know. Now, there are lots of other relationships out there in our world, aren't there? (sighs) They're just not in this book. Okay, They're just not in this book. And so what he says here is, make sure you do it the way God wants it done. And we have all our excuses, don't we? Well, it's, just, it's an alternative lifestyle. No, it's not. It's wrong. It's impurity. Well, what if she's hot, pastor? So's hell. Okay? So's hell. <laughs> Hands in your own pockets, you know? Hands in your own pockets. And <laughs> people have all their excuses. Well, we're married in God's eyes. That's the wrong God. You know, so you're doing It doesn't count. It does, it's not the way that he would have it. And people say, what about, what about the Greek study here? Yeah, the Greek says you're wrong and you're nasty, okay? Right there in the Greek, it says, no, you're still wrong, no matter how you parse that and how you study this. Here's the problem. I don't have time. I gotta keep going. Sexual sin, though, is soul sin. It's different, okay? When you are fornicating or having sexual sins or relations with anybody of any kinds on any levels it is not just a sin that is committed outside the body it's actually a sin committed inside the body and there is a soul transaction that happens within those actions that will ultimately the more soul actions you have with various people the less you become every single time that soul interaction that is supposed to be between a man and a woman in a monogamous marriage is supposed to enhance that marriage because one man and one woman are continually or, or making investments with each other in their love. And when you do it otherwise, you're getting ripped off and you're ripping somebody else off as well. The, why is God, God's such a killjoy. He doesn't understand. He looks and says, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And this is what you need to tell your kids. Why, sh- why should I wait till marriage? Why should I do it biblically? Why shouldn't I fool around? Why shouldn't I get a girlfriend or a boyfriend in high school? Why shouldn't I be loose? Because it's the, the rules. Be, here, and there's other rules the world puts out there, isn't there? Okay? You don't want to get a disease. You don't want an unwanted pregnancy. Uh, you don't want uh, pain emotionally. Listen, the real issue is a soul issue. And as, as you educate your kids, why should I wait? Why should I not go there? Why should I not open Pandora's box early? Because your soul can't afford it. You wait why because it's worth it don't scare them on any other tactic besides that it is a soul issue We'll talk about that more in depth. I don't have time number two Do not engage in covetousness Covetousness is just wanting what other people have wanting something nice appreciating something nice is fine But people say man, that's a nice car. I wish I had that car careful covetousness will lead to a bitterness of your spirit, or you can say, "Man, they're attractive. I wish I was like them," or maybe you're looking at me right now saying, "Man, Luke is so short. I wish I was short like him." or you know it's just <laughs> coveting what other people have and are doing well, you know, short and squatty, like this guy. And uh, here's the deal, though: coveting, coveting, always leads to a compromising character. Okay, coveting, wanting, wanting, something else, wanting something you don't have or somebody else's something, just wanting it, that doesn't seem that bad. It will ultimately lead to a compromise of character for you to attain. As a matter of fact, it's listed in verse three there with sexual sin. Interesting, I wouldn't put fornicating with coveting, just personally. I'd be like, yeah, coveting's pretty bad. Fornicating's really bad. God's like, well, when you covet, you'll ultimately do whatever you wanna do to get what you want, whether it's sex or other things. Number three, He says, do not participate in filthiness, foolish talk, or crude humor. And uh, I was asked this question by four Jewish sisters on the cruise I was on. They were asking me about Christianity and all this stuff. And they said, what about cussing? And the girl had just cussed right in front of me. And I I said, you cuss? No, she's kidding. And she cussed. And she said, "What, what do you think about cussing? I said, well, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if there's stuff coming out of your mouth that's foul, it just shows where your heart's at. And so I try, and keep my, I try not to do that, and maybe you should too. <laughs> Number four, do not associate with sinful behavior. He doesn't say don't associate with sinful people because you'd have to move to another planet, you know? But he does say don't fellowship with the works of darkness. And so what this means is you will have friends who are doing dark things. You can be friends, communicate, and love them, but when they go places you shouldn't go, you can't go. You just can't because you're sitting in God. You're walking with him now. When there's fellowship, With the darkness of this world, you got to just go the other way. Number five, don't take part in the works of darkness, but expose them. Now, you don't need to go hunting for darkness, but as a Christian, when darkness finds you, you can reprove it. Uh, My pastor taught me a thing when people would come and gossip to him. He would say, does my ear look like a trash can? Does it look like a trash can? And he would just kind of, you know, just kind of expose them in that way and just kind of deal with it. Or maybe somebody tells you a bad joke or something, just expose, turn the light on. I am amazed at how much evil goes on in the dark. As a matter of fact, in college, I was meditating on this one day for some reason, how different my friends were at night. They were at night, in college at least. I, the biggest kegers I ever threw were not in the morning, okay? They were at night. And it was just, I just was, wow, the darkness just brings it out of us, and we're not to have fellowship with the darkness. Number six, he says, do not get drunk. And I'll tell you what, it's not a sin to have a drink um, with three things in mind. Number one, you don't break the law, okay? It's not a sin to have a drink. If you're over 21, you don't drive, you don't do anything you shouldn't do. Number two, you don't cause others to stumble. Kind of a big one. There's A lot of people out there who might say, well, I, I, I'm offended when you drink and that's a whole other issue. But it's and the third one is if you don't get drunk, okay? It's not a sin to have a drink. The Bible talks about alcohol, it talks about wine, it talks about beer, it talks about hard drink, all of it in the Proverbs and all throughout. It gives great, great warnings about it. And he says here, do not be drunk with wine. And again, the argument is, it doesn't say anything about whiskey, you know? (laughs) No, listen, what he's saying is, and it goes beyond drink, it goes beyond alcohol, what he's saying is, is the Christian is not to be brought under the controlled substance of any other thing. Not to be brought into compromise in that. Again, a drink, maybe two for you. I don't know your level, okay? May not be a sin, but it can easily become what? Can it not? It can easily take you down. It can easily take you astray. And there are people here in this congregation who are Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous who we need to be aware of their situation and honor them and their journey towards sobriety. And there's others who have great liberty in this area, but he says, don't be drunk with wine. Don't be brought under the... A controlled substance of anything else is this because god hates you and wants you to be you know sober and bored i uh, hope, hope we've gone, hope we've gone over that it's not it's because he knows where this will ultimately take you and how it will ultimately change you and how it will ultimately morph you he says don't do that don't do that instead be filled with the holy spirit and we'll talk about that as we navigate through um, verse by verse later so that was the six kind of do nots how you guys doing everyone's still here anybody leave can you lock the door usher uh, sure, just make sure nobody leaves uh, we we really don't have time to, for me to go through these, but I'm going to do it. Number one, he wants us to imitate God. It's kind of the high water mark here. He asked that question right there at the very beginning. What what would God do here? Well, how would God treat them? What would God say? What would God do? How would God give? All this becomes God centered. Number two, he says, walk in love. This is a habitual lifestyle. You love people. What should I do now? I should be like God. I should walk in love. If I were to ask you to give me adjectives describing your last week's performance, would love make the list? you know or with success or pride or would would uh, you know aggressiveness whatever is love number three he says to walk as children of the light that means you are willing to be honest doesn't the light just exposes stuff you ever looked in one of those mirrors that has those like special lights that shows like all of your pores it like shows so deep you can see your bones like in your skull and you're like ah don't you hate those mirrors i don't like those mirrors the gals love them, like oh, i can get in there and do stuff you know it's like, what are you doing? Nobody. The, the light, though. Walk in the light. The light is just honest. Oh, nothing better than the light. Man, I love sunrises. I love the light when it comes up. Number four, he says, discern what pleases God. And so for the Christian, he says, walk in wisdom, finding what God's will is. When you're a Christian, if you're sitting with him, life is not about you anymore. Instead of saying, do I want this, or is this about me, or will this take me further? You say, Lord, is this your will? Is this about you? Will this exalt you further? That's how you now grid through your decisions. It's not about you. You discern what pleases God. Number five, we walk as wise. Um, The world, I'll tell you what, is full of folly and craziness. And he says, don't be unwise, but be wise, redeeming the time. And I'll tell you what, there's so many dumb things we do just with our time. Here's the deal. You need to redeem that time while doing dumb things, okay? That's That's your high goal. And if your dumb things are not redeemable, don't do them. Does that, does that make sense? When you're doing your dumb things, your hobbies, whether it's fly fishing, golfing, watching a game, going on vacation, working out, reading a book, drinking coffee, washing your car, just dumb things. They're not sinful things. They're just dumb. They're just a waste of time. Redeem that time, if possible, or don't do them anymore. How, how can you redeem your hobbies? Because you're only given so many days. When you get to heaven, God's going to play the real back. and be like, What were you doing here? It's like, that's ah, wasting my time. Every day. You know? And he said, well, You could have redeemed that. You can go to the movies and you can redeem that with having fellowship with the people you go to or talk about God in, in the, the themes of the movie or repent after you saw the wrong movie. Or You can redeem the time in the things we do. Number six, he says, Be filled with the Spirit. And I'll tell you what, this language uh, shows that the Holy Spirit is not a force, but he's a person. And when you are filled with him, this command, you can do all these things. Did you know that? As a matter of fact, you are not able to do all these things without him. You can't not do what he said not to do. You can't do, do what he says to do without him. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, verse one, I'm just gonna end on this thought. He says, be imitators of God as dear children. Did you know that as a child of God, a couple things have happened to you? Number one, your identity has changed. Okay, you're not your own anymore. You're not an illicit child. You're not a child of the devil. You're not a child of wrath. You're a child of God. Okay, your identity has changed, and that changes everything about you. You're now sitting in him. And when your identity changes, then your activity changes. And when your activity changes, ultimately, as you progress and as you grow and as you renew and as you repent, your activity changes. Eventually, your destiny changes, and you become somebody different, and you put these stupid things down that are only designed by Satan to hurt you. You put them down. You make things right. You just repent. Say, I've been doing it wrong this whole time. I've been doing it wrong this whole time. And you get over it, and you get right, and your destiny changes. It's through the Holy Spirit. It's through God. It's through his power. I'm gonna have the worship team come up and we're gonna now respond. I had a whole bunch more to say and I'm gonna say it at the 11 o'clock so come back for that one. <laughs> I'm actually not gonna say it at the 11 o'clock. I'm gonna say it over the next month. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? We're gonna take communion. If you were touched today, you know was real. You need to deal with him today because he loves you. He would call out to you with truth and grace. John 1.17, Jesus came with truth and grace. The Bible says that Moses brought the law, but Jesus came with truth and grace. He's not gonna let you off the hook. He's gonna get you off the hook and heal you. So Father, in Jesus' name now, we've studied your word and we looked at this kind of postcard version of this, this portion of scripture. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that we would understand your love for us. And we would understand your compassion for us. And we would challenge you today. We would say, okay, okay, okay. If God only wants my good and he wants to bless me and he thinks these things are gonna hurt me, I'm gonna try him. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna invest my days and dollars as a steward for him. I'm gonna set down my compromise and my illicit behavior. I'm gonna gonna end it. I'm breaking up with that person today. I'm doing it. I'm setting up. I'm, I'm gonna confess that sin to my spouse today. I'm doing it. Because God wants to set me free. I'm going to seek help today. I'm doing it. If that's what the Lord has put on your heart today, I pray in Jesus' name you would do it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I pray in Jesus' name you would do it. Because God is looking for people to show himself strong on their behalf. He wants to use you. He wants to bless you. He wants to take you. He wants to take you further than you can imagine. And Satan wants to take you down further than you can imagine. You pick. You choose a side today. Both are calling out to you. Life is short. It is too short to settle for the compromises of temporal sin and pleasure. It is too short. It is a ripoff. But to live for the King, to be filled with the Spirit, to walk in love, to walk in the light, to walk in the will of God, you win. You are winning. Father, I pray that you would lead us That today as we come and take communion, we repent. We set down stupid stuff. We trust you in the process. Holy Spirit, make us your bride. Make us shiny. Make us pure. Make us powerful. May the town of Newport, may the county of Lincoln, Lord, may we see a transformation deep and real. In Jesus' name, not just commitment, not just nods and laughter, Lord, but true commitment to Jesus. A greater desire, Lord, to know you, to not be bound by sin, but to enjoy fellowship. A greater pressing in. A greater understanding of sin and Satan and his voice of seduction. And we'd say, now! And may there be instantaneous healing. I pray for grace upon grace upon grace. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.